You're listening to a sermon from the pulpit of Redeemer Church, a PCA congregation in Hudson, Ohio. For more information, visit us at RedeemerOhio.org. During his public ministry, the Lord Jesus once quoted this Old Testament prophecy. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The original prediction anticipated the coming of the promised Messiah. He would be sent on a mission to openly declare the good news to sinners. And with that same notion in mind, the angel announced the birth of Jesus. Their news was proclaimed to lowly shepherds, keeping their sheep out in the field at night. As the angel of the Lord appeared, the glory of the Lord shone around them, we're told. He appeared without warning, out of nowhere, bright and brilliant, And is anybody surprised that those poor shepherds were terribly frightened? The text says they were filled with great fear. Now, shepherds are men who are called to defend sheep, sometimes from lions, other times from bears. And so they're not easily spooked. But on this night in that field with this angel, they were terrified. They'd never experienced anything like it. He was a messenger from heaven. They didn't yet know that he had come not to judge them, but to encourage them. Imagine their relief when they heard the angelic announcement, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. These were good men. And yet they were despised by society, officially labeled sinners, So despised were they that they could not fill any judicial office or be admitted in court as witnesses. But like righteous Simeon, they were devout men looking for the Messiah. And I think what this does at least is remind us that the true worth of a person is not found in his position, but in his heart. And what is fascinating is what the angel said to these despised shepherds. Shepherds, he said, I bring you good news. It's a Greek word from which we get our English evangelize. Originally, it was meant to signify to preach or to proclaim or to announce glad tidings. The word was often employed by the Greeks to describe a herald who would come to the city and announce the victory. The same word is used by the archangel Gabriel while he was speaking to Zechariah, he said, I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. Evangelize. The apostle Paul also employed it when referring to his commission that he received from Christ. He says, necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. So the Lord sent this mighty angel with the gospel to evangelize these shepherds. 
And it illustrates to me and hopefully to you as well how the Lord loves to reveal himself to humble people who have no pretensions. The psalmist tells us he leads the humble in what is right. He teaches the humble his way. You see, God loves to reveal himself to humble, teachable, prayerful people. A proud person who already knows enough is one who cannot be taught. A haughty person who with no regard for others is one who cannot learn a lesson. But those who are willing to sit at the feet of Christ and to learn, he will teach. And these shepherds, they were humble, teachable men waiting for the hope of Israel. And I want us to take note of the fact that the angel was sent to proclaim good news, not good advice. Most people today, if they even think about the gospel, view it as something like pious advice. Oh, isn't that a wonderful story? It warms the heart to see such self-sacrifice. They may see Christ as some sort of cosmic therapist who was sent to help them feel good about themselves. Oh, those are the Ten Commandments. Look at that. As long as we try hard, it's all going to work out. We try to clean up our behavior, we straighten out our lives, and we establish a good footing, but good advice or behavioral techniques provides no solution to man's deepest problem, sin. Only a superficial view of the human condition will focus on outward reform. Human power is of no use whatsoever in dealing with human depravity. Jesus says that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that flesh is corrupt. It's depraved. It's deeply and decidedly distorted. Over and over again, the Bible testifies to the powerlessness of mankind, doesn't it? His mind, they're darkened in their understanding, Ephesians 4. His knowledge, The natural man doesn't accept the things of the Spirit of God and is not able to understand them, 1 Corinthians 2. His heart, the hearts of the children of man are full of evil, Ecclesiastes 9. Love for God, the mind of man is hostile to God, Romans 8. Believe in Christ, no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12. So the testimony is clear, isn't it? Scripture tells us that man is dead in sin and powerless to help himself. The reason for this is man's fall into sin. Adam rebelled in the garden. You know the story. And Paul says in Romans 5, death came into the world through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin. So no matter how hard we try, We're utterly helpless to save ourselves. And it's against that backdrop that the angel announced the good news to all who are burdened with sin. And what good news is it? Not just pious advice, mind you. It's actually good news. God provided a remedy for our deepest problem by sending his own son. The Lord Jesus, who was born in Bethlehem, is the very Son of God incarnate. He came to live and he came to die and thus to sacrifice himself as a ransom for many. 
And this, the remedy, was made known to these shepherds by the angelic messenger. Not good advice about what you and I can do, but good news about what God has done. Don't you see? The incarnation of the Lord Jesus was our salvation coming to fruition. And that's the reason that it's good news and produces within the heart great joy. Sinners can rejoice. (laughs) We sang rejoice over and over again. The humble, despised shepherds could celebrate because though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they're red like crimson, they shall become like wool. And the worst of sinners, if they repent and believe, they'll have their sins utterly cleansed, guilt removed, stain taken away, conscience wiped clean. And it's all available in the good news of great joy announced by the angel. You know something? The Apostle Paul understood this perhaps better than any other mere man. And this is what he said. Christ made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. First, he made himself nothing. The Son of God emptied himself of his glory. Prior to his incarnation, the Lord Jesus fully displayed infinite divine glory. I wish I could have seen it. He was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the word was God. From all eternity, he'd enjoyed the perfect fellowship with the Father and the Holy Spirit. They were face to face from everlasting in the fullness of heavenly joy. Then in an unparalleled step of love and infinite condescension, he laid aside his glory. And forsaking that perfect joy, That perfect happiness in the presence of his father, he descended to the earth. Because though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. That's number one. He made himself nothing. Number two, he took the form of a servant. He didn't come with the regalia of a king. He didn't come in a manner equal to his true essential divine dignity. He came under circumstances of far more than ordinary abasement. He was born in a stable because there was no room for him at the inn. He had parents who were economically impoverished and socially insignificant. His hometown folks said of him, Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? His mother described her own condition as a humble estate. And as a child, he was forced to flee the murderous designs of Herod the king. And he was born and lived under the very law that he himself as God had established. And the question is why? Why did he arrive in such vivid humiliation? He told us the Son of Man came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So one, he made himself nothing. Two, he came in the form of a servant. And three, he was born in the likeness of men. He was not sinful, but he was fully human. 
He lived in this creation that groans under the burden of the original curse. He endured the effects of that curse in his name and his estate, in his relationships and all of his work. And he was viewed throughout his life as an illegitimate son of an obscure, impoverished woman. The unbelieving Jews, they held him in contempt and routinely scoffed at him. At one point they said, we know that you have a demon. Are you greater than our father Abraham? The unbelieving Gentiles, for their part, had no respect. They treated him with ridicule. Kneeling before him, the soldiers mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. So Paul, saying there was nothing outward about Jesus that would distinguish him as God, makes sense. Because he had no former majesty that we should look at him. No beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. And he endured all this for us. So great is his love that he would stop at nothing to redeem his people. The eternal Son of God became man to save sinners from the punishment that we so richly deserve. The apostle says he himself partook of the flesh and blood that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. So tonight, my friends, let us marvel at the incarnation of the Son of God, the great mystery of godliness. Jesus Christ is the ultimate and only solution to the problem of guilt, corruption, and the curse. And as long as it's still called today, the offer of salvation is held out to everyone indiscriminately, freely, to all who are spiritually weary and seek rest, who mourn and long for comfort, who struggle and desire hope, who sin and need a Savior, who are lonely and need fellowship, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the gospel of Jesus Christ is announced to you. He gave himself as the price of your redemption, and his payment is sufficient. And for anybody who receives and relies on him by faith, there is a glorious future. And that future is acknowledged in the carol that we're about to sing. Long lay the world in sin and error pining, till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Amen. Let's pray together. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that from the very depths of eternity, you and the everlasting Son and the Holy Spirit devise a marvelous plan to redeem your people. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, the incarnate Son of God, and for the privilege and opportunity we have to celebrate. Help us to keep him at the forefront of all that we do. For we ask this in his matchless name, even Jesus Christ. Amen.
Thank you for listening. For more information or to connect with us, visit us at RedeemerOhio.org.